This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Breaking Banks Europe, and it's our uh, 159th show. Actually, um, it's the first one in 2023. Actually, I'm personally recording, so very, very exciting. And uh, to all the ones who are listening and watching us, um, have a great 2023. Uh, we wish you all the very best for that. Uh, today, we're going to speak about, uh, we, we titled the show, actually, Where Does All the Money Go? And um, we want to find out what additional funding opportunities or cash sources there might be out there for uh, for very obvious reasons. Obviously, the whole uh, market environment did change drastically over the last month. Uh, and I'm going to speak about this today with Daniel and Khan. Great guys having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Glad you had a great stay, uh, start into the new year as well. And um, Daniel, let me start with you. Actually, why on earth are you in this show? <laughs> Thanks, Matthias. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, most probably is because I've been working with accelerators and startups, uh, basically business accelerators supporting entrepreneurs. I believe... 10 years now uh, in different countries. Uh, right now, I'm based in Spain, but I also uh, have been working with the startups in, in the States, in Silicon Valley. So hopefully, uh, I'm going to try to add a little bit of my knowledge and my experience uh, thanks okay. to this. So this is, this is you told us in the, in the preparation that you are in this environment now for more than 13, 14 years, right? I, I think yeah. you... Uh, and I think... Having that actually shows us that you that this environment, like COVID crisis, like uh, as we experience this, like uh, a new reassessment uh, of fintech environment and so on and so forth, is not the first crisis you're in because you obviously already experienced the credit crunch in 2008 and and years to follow, right? Yeah, totally. You mentioned it. You, you nailed it. Indeed, I, I was looking for a job in 2008 in the states. Uh, and it was crazy uh, because in, in, in Europe, we didn't have uh, so many problems, but they were starting to face this uh, financial crisis, as you mentioned. So it was very complicated to me to find a, a job in the States, in Silicon Valley, where my I, I already knew my, my dream is, 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 is there. But finally, I managed. And basically, I started to work for a business accelerator that were supporting European startups, mostly from Spain. To, to go to the Silicon Valley, uh, to, to find investors and to find a new market, to try to sell their product and services in the States. Okay, cool. We're going to speak about that. We're going to come back to that, actually. Khan, why are you in this show? I mean, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here. Uh, and I'm Khan. I'm founder of Headquarters. Uh, basically, my company is designing and running innovation programs for companies. That includes a lot of banks, 
and also fintech providers. Actually, today uh, we are rehearsing our Visa Innovation Programs Spain Demo Day. So I'm in Madrid. Uh, I'm in London, oh, generally. <laughs> so uh, it's quite good to be in Spain, to be honest. So basically, uh, I worked in different industries, uh, but also in tech very much. I'm quite enthusiastic and I'm, I'm an angel investor too. Since 2015, we are helping companies like Visa, HSBC, uh, several other banks, uh, Pfizer, Bayer, uh, Allianz in different verticals to make sure that they have uh, good startups to uh, do business with. So it is not just investing or giving some kind of uh, support. It is basically letting them grow in European mandates most of the time. Khan, that brings me immediately to another topic we already once had in the show, I would say some months or years ago, which is the cultural aspect when an incumbent large organization actually is acquiring a startup uh, and the culture clashes that are foreseeable uh, actually there um, because um, I would say founders operate on a very different risk pattern than the acquiring company. And sometimes uh, we find that very hard to match ending up in in big crisis potentially or maybe in a supernova that is uh, creating something very big and new you know true that is definitely true like uh this is what i see and i generally uh, work with corporates and i teach their employees to be how to be innovative like startup at least so uh but the funny thing is they always think about uh innovation uh, just imagining like Google offices. So whenever I go to a big incumbent, they always say, look, we have an open office now where we have flowers on the wall. <laughs> I'm saying that you didn't get it. <laughs> this is not why Google became this way. It is just because they don't really care. I mean, they didn't really care about those offices. We'll talk about this for sure. This, this, they think it's innovative once you have a table tennis in the office, once there is... Uh... Once you have the bike next to your desk, right? <laughs> and, exactly. and, and if, if uh, I, I could add something, we are criticizing now corporations because they are big. They don't, they don't in some cases, they don't understand these dynamics of the industry, etc. But it also happened to startups. Mm. Uh, if you remember a few years ago, even now, uh, all the startups are putting a lot of money in their offices. Fancy yeah. furniture, uh, also uh, ping pong, uh, over there, a lot of different uh, things like that, right? So, yeah, I believe there was a problem of how, how much money in the industry uh, investors were putting, right? We had, I have to admit, we had a table football uh, <laughs> in our office, but just because the tenant left it when they moved out and we just took it over. And, um, and everybody, when we had business partners, we said, okay, we do the final price negotiation we do on the table football. <laughs> for every goal you shoot, you get 0.1% on top. And for every goal we shoot, we get 0.1% less <laughs> for the price. You know? um, people hated me for that. Because <laughs> you have to know, I was eight years in boarding school. And if there was one thing we played, it was table football. So, uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Coming back, coming back to our topic, and we mentioned crisis. Do you think? Do you think uh, we live currently in a kind of crisis, in a reassessment, in a reshape? In 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 we live in a very volatile environment currently, obviously. Um, 
How, how would you describe the current situation and, and what would be the impact uh, for me as a founder or as an entrepreneur? So that, that would be, let me say, let us spend another 10 minutes on that topic. Um, Daniel, allow me to start with you. How, how, how would you see the current environment? Is it easy? Is it not? Is it, what, what, what is your feeling about? What is your sentiment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's never easy for entrepreneurs. It's super okay. complicated. It's okay, super complicated. It. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 super complicated. I believe this is one of the things that is a disclaimer for everybody that is thinking yeah. about uh, doing some kind of uh, environment entrepreneurship, uh, etc. Venture. It's super complicated, but um, it's also part of of the of the job because uh, thanks to 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 the job that we are doing at is the accelerator. We've been seeing startups, thousands of startups. We are selecting them, etc. At the end of the day, uh, you see uh, something special on entrepreneurs is that they are positive people. Uh, they look at the future with uh, positivism. And this is very important because this is somehow they can sort out all the problems they are facing and find the solutions. And this is one of the, the key things that I, I believe for entrepreneurs, they have to, to take very, very into consideration, being comprehensive about it, being detailed, being uh, put a lot of effort in, in, in the table. So it's it's super complicated for all of them. It really depends on the environment. So macroeconomics uh, are super important, also depending on the industries and dynamics of your industries. But um, I believe that uh, on this kind of environment, startups, innovation, etc., you can always uh, find people with money. You can always find people that are trusting you, etc., um to 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 fight for your dream right and we can enter into a little bit more into the macroeconomics if you wish or yeah no no and we should speak about that because i would say that what we experience currently in the market is a kind of uh, as we discussed that a, a kind of u-turn you know like like two years ago or 18 months ago and con you're going to be next on this question be ready. Uh, and, you know, 18 months ago, you've been thrown money at you, like for, you know, just spelling fintech correctly, halfway. <laughs> and and today, suddenly, investors want to see your, uh, how, what is your run rate? Uh, how long can you sustain? Um, how, how, you know, um, what is the revenues? You know, in the old days, like two years ago, nobody asked you for revenues. You know, you could you could achieve a valuation of whatever, like 2,000 US dollars per customer, not even having 20 quid on your account, you know? So how, how to handle this? Would you, first of all, Calm, would you agree on this assessment? And second, yeah. how to handle that? I mean, definitely you are quite on point because uh, coming from like European background in terms of entrepreneurship, like Silicon Valley was going crazy, but it is not the first time. We know that from Bubble, like 99, of course, like there are great companies still uh, surviving since then, like Amazon, but still American way of doing business is always on growth because if you can grow enough, fast enough, then you can milk the market. This is how they see the point. And technically, they had a lot of investors with really, really deep pockets. So they can actually support it, that part. Like uh, most of my friends, uh, I'm sure that, Daniel, you have the same thing. I mean, Uber rides was really cheap. Like I'm sometimes checking my Uber rides in US in San Francisco. It was like nearly nothing because of the, all the VC money going through. Now uh, everybody's complaining that Uber is sometimes more expensive than the taxi because 
this is the real business. You know, the gas people are working. So, I mean, that makes more sense now. But on the other side, like European level, uh, people were quite cautious. Uh, they didn't really understood the valuations. Uh, that what I can understand, like uh, the business way of doing business here is a little bit different. But also it was always hard. Like, I mean, if you can raise the money, it is less than the half of the problem because even if you have the money, it is not the problem because we always have enough money for every project, but that doesn't really solve it. So I really like it when startups doesn't really die because of indigestion, but when they uh, die because they don't have any clients. So it gives you to more effort to find the real solutions. And the good thing is like, yes, the world is burning uh, over there and there, like the energy crisis, the wars, the inflation. Uh, to be honest, when I was a kid, like really, really small, I was really afraid that they are going to find everything in the world to be innovative. So there was nothing for me to left to do. So that was how, as a child, I was thinking. And then I realized that when you have the change, it never stops. So uh, two years ago, yes, anyone with fintech, and if you say that you have AI, you doubled your valuation, to be honest. Uh, now it is really hard, but it doesn't really stop entrepreneurs, which is great. Like uh, we do see a lot of people now they're focusing on uh, how to make it sustainable because we've also seen that some of the companies actually cut their valuations significantly through this times. So people are quite cautious. Um, I had a bad experience when we were running a fund. It was a company builder and uh, when we lost our funding, uh, I needed to fire like 40 people. And that hurt me like personal level. So uh, in my company, I'm trying to make sure that we are sustainable. So if I'm going to hire someone, at least I'm going to keep them like 12 months at least. So I just don't want to uh, do anything uh, stupid for that. But again, like it wasn't that hard than today. It is not going to be easier than today. Entrepreneurship is a kind of a problem-solving thing. And if there's a change, if there's chaos, it's always a lot of opportunities for the right people. Well, okay. So what I hear out of that is that both of you, you say, okay, Matthias, why are you so excited about the crisis we are in? And by the way, what would be that crisis be? It's a normal entrepreneur's life actually to to deal with risk so nothing changed there um first of all um be optimistic uh, as an entrepreneur i would say you have a, a strong optimism dna anyhow but i think it was mark twain saying uh optimism is just a person that is an optimist is a person that is not fully informed right or something like that uh i'm, I'm sure our listeners have the full quote out there um so uh, third is we, we have another crisis, or let me say another, uh, people speak of polycrisis, actually, that we are currently in. Sounds much better, by the way. Um, so at least it sounds cool, doesn't it? So we are living in a polycrisis, which means we have, uh, yes, as you mentioned, Khan, we have COVID, we've had COVID, or we still have it, Chinese, China re reinvents it again currently, obviously. Um, we have uh, the Ukraine energy inflation. We have the interest rate, by the way, interest rate environment, I would say, is strongly relevant to all of us. Exactly. Because it's a competition for investment. 
in uh, in that sense. So I think that is that is super super interesting. We have to have as an entrepreneur, you have to have an eye on that, and and not to forget, we have the shockwaves from the crypto, right? And True. and we we see the shockwaves from crypto coming over, and my my. Let me call him Sam Wankman Fried, actually, who did cause the FTX disaster, uh, actually um, pulling and tearing down the full environment. And now investors are mixing it up with an question mark with a do investors mix that up with an uh, overall distrust in Bitcoin or is it a managerial topic that we are? facing there. Nevertheless, I would say this is influencing the whole environment very strongly and very, very negatively. Would you agree on this? This is an opinion already. It's not a question. <laughs> disagree. Disagree. Daniel, disagree on this. <laughs> uh, I cannot disagree, uh, but probably something that in my view of interest for, for the listeners is to try to realize if the macroeconomics of the crisis that we are facing is affecting your industry or not. Yes. Because um, if you are on, on, for example, retail uh, and you are facing the days of COVID where the economy is totally collapsed and, and you cannot even go to the streets, you cannot even go to a retail store, then it's going to completely uh, impact your, your business. But maybe you are on the e-commerce side. Uh, it's the other way around. The COVID was uh, a, a very good moment for the e Amazon of the world, for the e-commerce uh, businesses out there, right? So there are going to be crises all the time. Probably our society, our economy is, is based on having crises from time to time, right? Um, so probably the most important thing is to try to understand, to realize what, how it's going to impact the different crises that you are going to live. But in, in other areas, for example, health sector, uh, thanks also for COVID, is, is going, one of the best moments for the health sector too, right? So it's important to, to try to analyze that. Um, and then, of course, it's going to be a little bit more complicated to have money, uh, to, to raise uh, funding, etc. but also depending on the industry. So, for example, in Spain, probably 10 to 20 uh, investment funds have just raised investment in the mm. last two years. So we already know that all these funds, they need to invest in startups. So they have the, this... Mm. By law, by by the, their investors, by the limited partners, they have to invest in startups, right? So at least for the five or, or ten years from now on, I don't see the the investment ecosystem in Spain going to change a lot mm. because they have to invest that money. Maybe on the next generation, let's say, uh, it's going to be completely different for the for the limited partners, for the investors of the investors. But the, the question is going to be different one like two years ago. Like the, as as we said already, the question is going to be like, what is your run rate? What is your uh, what is your earnings? Uh, it's maybe less growth oriented. And totally. we also did see, and we also, I personally heard some stories from the market. You know, where people shared with me that um, that actually investment that commitments have not built have not been fulfilled. That investors step back actually, despite having committed additional funding and so on and so forth. So the whole thing is in, let me say, in an in an irritation status. Um, Con. I mean, uh, for sure, like investors are thinking twice, but as Daniel says, like yeah. the VC game is quite fixed. So uh, the, the thing is, if they raise the money, they have uh, seven to 12 years of uh, 
uh, horizon to invest that money. But I think they are going to do it wisely because, uh, I mean, I like the word that Warren Buffett says, like uh, interest rates are like gravity. So when it, when it's high, it's really tough to jump because, you know, like the money itself is more expensive to get it. Like if you want to get some loans, you know that you need to pay with a lot of interest. So an investor, if you want to return something even better than the interest rates, it is going to get tougher. So most of my investor friends are trying to have less new deals, try to understand what best deals they have. Uh, just to make sure that they have the best unit economics as possible so they can double down on the good uh, going startup. So yeah, that's for sure. Like both on the investor side, it is going to be tough. And for the entrepreneurs who are going to try new things, it might be a little bit harder. Like uh, if you still have a good job, uh, but you still have a good idea that you want to follow. Uh, it might be a little bit tough for you now just to leave everything and start something new because, you know, uh, there's a lot of things happening in the world. So on the both sides of the table, that's definitely the thing. But again, in 2008 crisis, this is when we had most of the good tech companies emerge. So this is a good time for builders. So if you are an entrepreneur that you need to hire the uh, developer, you need to hire the uh, designer, you need to hire the business person. Like if you need to outsource everything or just you need a huge team to deal with, deal with it, I don't think it's a good time for you. But if you have a good founding team, which can actually do most of the things internally, then that's the best time to build something, make it profitable at least to show it it is going to be profitable but the money is already committed in most of the geographies as daniel said for spain it is same for turkey greece i know most of the vc funds already got their like 100 millions 150 million euros apart and they are going to do it so calm what you're saying and and also daniel of course um what you're saying is we, we spoke about the investors and a change behavior in investing as as you just mentioned and i fully understand that, that investors say, listen, despite the risk, uh, despite increasing or instead of increasing the risk by adding new investments, let me maybe double down on existing ones, right? And make sure that they survive. Um, maybe even using that uh, as a time to get additional shares at a very favorable valuation uh, instead of having this, uh, let me say, sometimes astonishing slash insane increase of valuation uh, despite lack of substance. Uh, what you're also saying is, um, as an entrepreneur, I need to be more focused on sub substance slash my corporate resilience. I would say that's the keyword, right? Resilience in order to survive. Uh, do not spend like crazy on all and everything like you might have done in the past, but Yeah. Uh, be very cautious and act reasonable. And what you're saying is team. It's about the team. Is the team capable of dealing with a crisis, for instance? Can you pivot your business if it's not working? Can you can the team survive without my venture cap support, maybe? Um, and uh, what, is, what is the track record of crisis of that team? Is Is that about... The formula you're looking at in days like this? 
I mean, uh, the only thing that I would like to add is uh, generally I use this at the end of my sessions with startups. I see a lot of startups fail, but I don't really see a lot of entrepreneurs fail because this is how we do. We learn, we pivot, nice. we do our thing. So companies that might go bankrupt, uh, you can just say that maybe the price is not good enough to hustle that idea. But uh, entrepreneurs, I've seen so many in our programs as well, doing their second startup, third startup, they are doing amazingly in any condition given that they know what to do the first. Excellent. Excellent. Daniel, anything to add before we enter into the next chapter, so to say? Something that you have mentioned that is the importance of the team. Um, uh, probably team is, is the most important thing and, and the track records or the experience, as, as Khan just said, uh, it's, it's a matter of gathering together a bunch of people that are uh, visionaries, hopefully, but also that, that feels that what they are trying to do is super important for the world and, and they believe all together can do something very important. Um, but there are also different types of managerial skills, as, uh, as you mentioned it, because probably it's not now the moment of, of trying to expand, to grow uh, as, as, as much as crazy, as much as you can, but it's a matter of trying to be a little bit more uh, robust and, and thoughtful uh, in, your, in your growth strategy. Mm -hmm. So okay. in some cases, some entrepreneurs are like that, but in some other cases, uh, entrepreneurs can be more uh, visionaries a lot of effort, uh, a lot of empower empowerment. So probably those kind of uh, entrepreneurs are going to have it a little bit uh, more complicated. But for the ones that are more analysts, uh, more cautious, et cetera, it's going to be a little bit more easier for them. So yeah, that's something important also to, to, to okay. think about your first uh, hire, uh, hirings in your company or the other co-founders that you are considering. So that means that actually it's also very much related to the industry you're in um, as, you know, just randomly like B2C fintech might be currently under pressure uh, and, and need to prove their KPIs while uh, Web3 gaming still looks uh, very much promising, right? So now... Wrapping up that part of analyzing the, the current status and, and as I always call it, the VUCA world, like the volatile and uncertain, very complex, ambiguous environment. Actually, we're going to take a break because we need to breathe out actually after all this crisis talk and stay tuned, actually, because after the break, we're going to speak about what additional sources or alternative sources of funding you might see out there. Uh, once doing your resilience homework internally, but also have a look to the outside world saying, okay, where can I get some more money if my investors are shy suddenly or if I can't get the funding for my great idea? Uh, and this is what we're going to speak about after the break. So stay with us. The FTS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. Welcome back to the 159th episode of Breaking Banks Europe. Uh, we're going to speak about, we, we're speaking about um, 
the current environment in which maybe funding sometimes seems to be a bit difficult, or let me say at least more challenging than in normal days. Um, we analyzed uh, the environment we are currently living in and what we are experiencing currently. So uh, now for the second part of our show, let us dig deeper in the solution uh, of uh, alternative sources of cash liquidity funding. Um, I have my experts with me, Daniel and Ken, and we're going to try to find some ways for you out there uh, and some guidance for you out there, uh, what to look at, how to prepare your company for something like that, and and where you should uh, maybe uh, search for those alternative sources. So we have we have equity funding. I can't walk out to my investors and say you get a stake for the company. You get you know we do a capital increase. You get something. You get a part in the in the company, and you give me cash. First of all, we would have the bank giving me a loan. Now, yeah. Um, I would be a wizard, uh, actually, to to make a bank give me a huge loan um, for my startup. So I would say let's forget about that option for a second, right? We can come back to this. As we know, banks only banks act like they only give you a, a an umbrella when it's raining. No, they only give you an umbrella when the sun is shining, never <laughs> when it's raining. So we should forget about that. So what alternative? sources of funding or liquidity or cash support can I can I have out there? Daniel, is there any kind of high level wrap up or ideas that you would see? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when I talk with some very early stage startups, I always advise them to, to meet entirely their network. So to go to events, uh, uh, try to, to be well known in their uh, ecosystem in their industry. So events are interesting for very, very early stage startups. But then uh, as the startup is growing, probably events is something that is, is not uh, providing much value, more value to you. And, and Daniel, I've experienced so many events where I only met other people who also need money, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's rarely the case that I'm the only one who needs money. And I find a, a hundred people saying, listen, Matthias, great, you show up. I've got my suitcase with me, so here it's throwing cash at me. So yeah, but of course, make yourself seen is something you need to do. Don't be shy. Go out there and totally. And, and be also, right? the, the network in five years, uh, in ten years, you you never know. So I've been yeah in events with with people that in a few years later are one of the analysts of of an investment fund, right? So you never know at the very beginning. Uh, but it's something that is needed when you are super early. Then some kind of awards, etc. cetera, um, mm. might, might give it to you a little bit of money, a little bit of cash, but also some mm. some uh, some appearances in media, et cetera. And then, of course, what, what uh, it's called informal investors. So business accelerators, uh, business angels networks, uh, business schools, crowdfunding platforms. Step by step, they are they are growing. Um, so it's it's uh, an interesting source of funding. And then I would say that there is a lot of public money, especially nowadays. There is a lot of public money, especially in in Europe. As you know, uh, we now have Horizon Europe, that is thirty percent bigger than Horizon Twenty Twenty, is almost one hundred billion euros for research and innovation projects. And you also have to consider that the UK. Is not 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 part of, of of it any longer. And UK was one of the bigger contributors, but also one of the top beneficiaries. 
So we are going to divide the 100 billion in, in less countries, let's say, right? Yeah. So a lot of money also in the European public money. Yeah, well, that, that, um, yeah, so let, let us slice that a bit now. Uh, the awards thing I, I like a lot. Uh, actually, with uh, the two banks I had the opportunity to found, we, we did always go for awards um, because that was somewhat like cheap advertising for our superior solution, right? It was a recognition. Uh, I would say founders out there don't underestimate that because uh, it gives Maybe as a founder, you sound crazy, but when you receive an award for your crazy idea, it's an acknowledgement, right? It's it's something like a certificate. You're not that crazy, actually. It might be useful and so on and so forth. However, I would say we need to differentiate for this kind of paid awards. You know, there are a lot of events in the meantime where you buy a dinner table for the award uh, ceremony and, and you get an award, which is... <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. A lot of noise in the industry. Yeah. There are many, many business accelerators and much more awards and events, etc. So you have to choose carefully the ones that you believe are interested for you. Yeah. yeah. So, so I would love to focus on what you call the alternative invest, uh, the informal investors, mm-hmm. um, and the public money, right? So, Khan, where you feel more comfortable, public money or informal investors? Because you need to answer now. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like uh, there are so many sources of public money, but I feel like I don't really speak the same language for most of the donors in that area. So whenever we do, like, because in all of our programs, we have different companies who are benefiting from at least some of them uh, from those kind of sources. But there's always different agencies that you need to hire. They need to write the research paper or any kind of application paper. So I don't really believe that this is quite utilized well for the innovation so far, because that kind of money actually uh, structured years and years ago for research purposes, like academia, uh, people researching on some kind of new materials. Still, they are trying to convert it. Uh, to be honest, for me, the best money can come from the client. Uh, and I think it also depends what kind of a company you are. So if you are an enterprise B2B company, then ideally you need some kind of recognition, right? This is what you say. So if you are uh, having a solution for, let's say, for the banks, if you have a good bank client, then the others will follow anyway. This is the way to go. If you are a B2C, then it might be really smart to get something like crowdsourcing because uh, when you are doing some kind of crowdfunding event, uh, even equity or non-equity, because basically what you are not looking for is just getting the money, but getting the support of the people. That's why I love like Kickstarter very much now. Uh, there are few other platforms that you can actually get the support of the clients that you have. Uh, ideally, if you are trying to be as nimble as possible, just try to go to the clients because depending on your business model, hopefully you will you need less money. I mean, if something like COVID happens, that's really tough. Like some business models, Daniel gave some examples of like retail companies. If you have a restaurant, it is hard for you. But in London, most of the restaurants actually pivoted. What they did, for example, Pizza Pilgrims, they did a pizza kit that you can do at home. So, I mean, they just had a regular pizza 
places. But basically, since they have no choice to open up their stores, they created something to, at least for the time being, people can enjoy at home. So um, I do like the public money, uh, but it, it is not quite favorable on our side as headquarters. We, I don't think that we ever take any public money, to be honest, because it, for accelerators, it is even harder because uh, either I need to spend more to get the money that I don't need because they tell me how to spend the money as well. Uh, for me, it is always to go with the uh, client side. Okay. Um, what, you say, what, what you say is super interesting um, because what you're saying is you do not speak the same, and, and let us focus on the public part. Um, you do not speak the same language as the investors. I can uh, definitely understand that point very well. Um, if you speak to a bureaucracy, uh, it's a different tone, of course. Um, but nevertheless, do not let us forget about that pot of money, actually, because I think, and Daniel, you indicated this, these are billions year by year, yeah. right? And, okay. and, and I understand as an accelerator, I fully understand it. It's a totally different kind of business. But I would say there are many, many pots for technical, innovative people, um, for even, you know, uh, Germany now most recently announced another pot for game, video games. Um, we know that uh, German um, uh, Secretary of, of um, Economy, they have uh, state grants for all kinds of, um, you know, energy efficiency, sustainability and all that stuff. Um, so there are European programs like reaching up to 2 million, 2.5 million euros you can gain. Um, but yes, uh, the problem is the language. The problem is the application process itself and the duration of the application process, right? I, I think yeah. it takes you up to 18, 24 months, maybe, Daniel. One of the things that I believe uh, specifically the European Commission is doing very well is that they are hiring experts to try to uh, manage the times, the timings much better. So, for example, there is something that um, that the European Commission invented or started a few years ago that is cascade funding. So basically, they are looking to uh, some experts, uh, investors, business accelerators, etc., to manage, let's say, several million euros, and then it, that. To create a consortium. Uh, that consortium manage everything, manage the funding to the startups, manage the selection, manage uh, the mentors, etc., and even the investors relationship, right? So they, they know, uh, at least at the European Commission uh, side, or even in, in other states, uh, national uh, grants, etc., they know they are, they are super slow, but they are trying to solve thanks to these kind of different approaches, hiring mm -hmm. somebody, a middleman that is supporting them. Indeed, this is what we were doing from the very beginning. Uh, Ten years ago, we started with one program uh, in the European Commission. Thanks to that program, uh, we have the track record of supporting 200 startups in two years. Wow. Thanks, thanks to this, we are becoming uh, uh, one of the accelerators, are, uh, one of the biggest accelerators in Europe, thanks to this, right? Because right now we are not only managing one program, but, but several ones, and also not only for public money, but also the, we are managing the program for Toyota Motor Europe or, or UNICEF. So thanks to all of this learning, we are also moving to the corporate side, right? And, 
and 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 there are many of those programs in various kinds, like the one donate equity. Yeah, right. there are some that are going to require you equity. Uh, for example, the European Investors Bank is, is going to most probably going to request some, some equity to you, of course. But for example, the EIC, they have a lot of programs. Uh, EIC Accelerator, EIC Pathfinder, EIC Transition. And there yeah. are ma- many more. So I believe for, for the entrepreneurs out there, there are some uh, websites uh, in the internet that you can check where on those uh, websites you can find yeah. all the different programs. And I think it's worth doing this because actually before dying, uh, due to cash drain, actually better better search for that. So there are many programs, uh, like as you just mentioned, Daniel, then there are uh, some grant you maybe uh, kind of loan, but free of interest, right? Mm-hmm. right? Um, others, I would say, are even uh, are also interesting because they support your investors. Uh, we have at least, and maybe you have that in Spain as well or in England, they give you a kind of 25% kickback on the investment when yeah. you because they um because they identified that company to be uh worthy to be supported so if an investor invests 100% the investor immediately gets a kickback by the state of 20 to 25% of that invested amount right yeah. this is happening in israel for example um the the public side uh the public, public market public investors are matching Whatever you 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 can have uh, as an entrepreneur coming from private investors, so they yeah. are doubling uh, the investment, which is yeah, also yeah, or something like that. So uh, on the seriously on the public side, I would say there are many many ways to skin that cat. Actually, as as you would say in England, so um, of course it's a painful application process, right? It's a painful application process, but I would say. In order maybe to describe my business idea in a compelling way, this process can be also very teaching, right? It can be very educational for me, right? Totally. Yeah, totally agree. Because uh, this is one of the advice that I provide to startups that are considering to apply to our programs, the ones that are public and private. Um, Nowadays, by the way, we are using the same online questionnaire for the the public ones and the private ones, because we, we are trying to make it easy for both of them. But uh, the, the advice that they provide is you, you have to have your business plan with you. Mm. Uh, and then it should be a copy-paste. We are going to ask for your market. We are going to ask for your competition. Yeah. We are going to ask. Yeah. So it's a copy-paste. What are the revenues incarnate by this? I come back to you. Of course, it would be best if my customers pay me, right? But I believe, believe me, uh, it's not always easy to, to, and I fully understand that once, uh, in particular, young startups, in the B2B or B2C environment to start with a very, very low cost offered to their uh, customer base. Uh, I think in B2B, we have the golden rule that the first B2B customer you have to pay as an entrepreneur. The second is if you're good, break even already. And the third one, you start earning. Um, so yeah, well, um, having your customer in particular in the B2B paying you, isn't that also creating a strong dependency from that single B2B partner? I mean, for sure it does. But um, the reason why I'm asking, like, get your money from client is uh, I see so many entrepreneurs uh, quite uh, shy about asking for money, uh, Mm. which actually postpones that uh, to understand that they don't have product market fit because at the same time, they feel that they're not going to pay for it. So I just want to push them so much 
So if they need to pivot, they even need to know it that month, not in six months. When you have the money coming from somewhere, especially on public sources, that's okay because generally they pay for the salaries and everything. So they know that they are going to have for 16 more months so they can yeah. deal with that later. But to be honest, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not the same as like a researcher. In research, you need to take your time because this is a totally different approach. <laughs> but as an entrepreneur, you need to make sure that what you are providing uh, is a value for someone. And in order to understand if it's a value, you need to ask something in return. It can be money, it can be something else, but they need to say, oh, yes, what you are giving me is really great. This is my thousand euro for using your product. But sometimes they know that if they ask for a thousand euro, they're not going to say yes, and they don't want to hear it just now. Yeah. So this is the part that I really want to push them. Not It is not just about like, I uh, just do it like bootstrap. No, no. Um, Khan and I remember a conversation we once had as Fido Solutions. We tried to pitch or we did pitch our uh, software as a service solution to, uh, let me say, more or less Mid-East Bank. And this bank then said, yeah, well, actually, I don't I, I don't give you really money for that because when I am your customer, this is like advertising uh, for your solution to all the others and they will follow. And in the same time, they did ask us about our sustainability. And then, and then I said, listen, if you would pay me, my sustainability would be much better. So, would you, so you know, you, they created a catch-22 situation in which I only could lose. We no surprise we ended that conversation but, but because it didn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Um, so what you're saying actually, and in the order of time, uh, to uh, what you're saying is, of course, um, get your KPIs, get your business model and KPIs ready to show me not only maybe downloads of apps, but also paying customers, yes. right? And paying customer equals proof of concept, which means... I understand your problem statement, but show me whose problem are you solving and is that person, institution willing to pay for that, right? This is actually, and everything else, just forget about it and yes. call it research and call it research. Fine, <laughs> I love that. Right? That's about it. Something that I would yeah. like to add here, uh, Matthias, if you believe this is interesting for the listeners, is that in some cases we are seeing ourselves, uh, the managers of the business accelerators, as a middleman that is supporting both sides, the startups and the corporates. Because following the, the example that you have mentioned, in some cases, some corporates have approached us to, to provide a business accelerator to them with that kind of approach. And it's our job to, uh, to let them understand that, no, it should be a paid pilot uh, with the startup. It should be something that is startup friendly. It should be something that is good for your image in the long term, etc. So. Uh, and in some cases nowadays, some startups are following us, is the is the accelerator, because they they know us, they know our values. So if we are working with a corporate or if we are working with some kind of public uh, entity, we are trying to to make it possible to have a really win-win-win situation for the three okay. of us. Before before ending up our show and and guys get ready to give me one final sentence then um, as a piece of advice to our listeners um, uh, let me also come back to Khan's point actually regarding crowdfunding um, is is that you know crowdfunding I, I 
As Feeder Bank, we supported that from the very beginning as a payment service provider, more or less, and account provider to this. But at the end of the day, sometimes I have the feeling that companies do enter into a crowdfunding process as the kind of last try to get a little bit of money, you know, kind of last hope for it. Um, and and the quality of the whole project might be questionable. Let me say it like this. We had a uh, fintech the other day over here in, in Germany asking for crowdfunding on a, in an impressive valuation and did not even collect 25% of the estimated uh, or kind of uh, objective uh, money. So that's quite dangerous, isn't it? I would say, you know, and the investors and you split up your shareholder structure. Maybe this is an obstacle then for future rounds. How do you see this? Just one sentence and then we wrap it up. I mean, uh, for the crowdfunding, definitely. Uh, The thing is uh, crowdfunding by the nature, it's different because you need to speak to hopefully tens of thousands of people and they need to believe in your mission. And some companies are not really good in this way. Like they can provide a good solution, but uh, they're not really after a solution, but uh, they want to support something with a given mission and they want to be a part of it. So personally, I invested and also supported a lot of projects. Some of them failed. I'm happy with it because I wanted to be there with them because what they are trying to do was really significant to me. It was speaking to me. So that was really good. Uh, I mean, today, at least everything is quite easy, like uh, in terms of like processing uh, of any kind of money, uh, even getting it from other countries. So it is quite incredible. It is quite global to find those kind of followers. Uh, that definitely has a that different strategy so you need to prepare it for it so Mm -hmm. if you are going to fail and probably that's one of the reasons and some companies are not really good for crowdfunding as well because it's too complicated for people to understand they don't really relate to the problem that they're you are trying to solve so i think this is the biggest uh problem but I do believe in crowdfunding, especially what you are solving is relevant to tens of thousands of people. So um, I think we spoke about 10 or 12 different ways of of getting funded. Uh, I think this is the very positive message. There are many ways, again, to skin that cat. And and it's, um, you know, it's, it's if way A maybe is not working, maybe you think about alternative B, C, and D. It's up to the CFO of your startup actually to sort that out. I would say push your CFO and request uh, actually a paper from your CFO saying, listen, what alternative sources of liquidity would be around there and what are the requirements to get into this? Have in mind actually the duration of those processes. I would say venture funding, at least six months, state grants, maybe up to 12 or 18 months um, and so on. So it's it's... It's hardly a quick shot. Uh, the quickest is make revenues. Uh, I would say that's the straightforward, most uh, straightforward uh, process. Uh, but we will not end uh, that show not getting a single sentence and piece of advice by our esteemed guests. So, Daniel, what is your single? What is your? What is the kind of golden rule you would donate now to to our audience and and that uh, to that topic? Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe very basic, uh, but but I would say that it's very complicated to be an entrepreneur and to to have an adventure and and growing the venture, but it's possible. And 
you, you should believe in yourself and try to have a vision of your company that is very powerful, that is following your values. Uh, it, it's going to be complicated. It's going to be a, a, a complicated path. But uh, if you feel powerful, if you feel uh, empowered about the about the trip that you are doing, most probably you will find the solutions. You will be able to sort it out. But if you okay. choose uh, an industry that you don't like, or if you choose some some colleagues with yourself that you don't really like or you don't enjoy, it's going to be painful. So cho- choose wisely uh, uh, what is motivating you and who is motivating you. Daniel, thank you so much. Con? Um, um, let me just go on the investment side because uh, this is kind of, kind of what I feel with the problems with the entrepreneurs. Because when you are, I mean, every investor, including like people in crowdfunding, they know that companies need money. I mean, I need money. Everybody needs money. So if we have more money, we can do something better with our companies. But when you're asking for the money, just make sure that you are not uh, quite late. Because when I hear people saying that if they don't have my money, the company is going to fail, this is not sexy for any investor. So uh, all of the investors just want to be a part of something great. And they want to feel that if they're not going to put the money today, they might not have the chance to put it tomorrow because mm-hmm. it's going to go get bigger and bigger. If you don't let them feel this, I mean, probably because not, this is the case, they, you still need the money. That's why you need the clients, you need the growth, you need to make those co- uh, connections way before asking for the money. And this is one of the things that I always talk to my entrepreneurs, like you just don't ask uh, the sex on the first date, just go and start dating people. This is how we are trying to do. Like, just go meet with the VCs who might be interested in your product, possibly. Just don't ask for the money yet. Just tell them why you are doing this and what's happening. Just get some feedback. And just after you update a few, few times, they will know that you are here to stay. Like, you are doing something sustainable. You are uh, on your mission. And when you need the money, everything will change then. Probably they will ask you first, if you need money, just let us know. So I think this is the biggest thing uh, for the entrepreneurs to do it. Thank you so much, Con. And actually, you know, gave our meeting <laughs> a totally different spin at the very, very end. I'm very happy you didn't mention that in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, I hope we can cut some, some parts of it. No, 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 we will not cut that because it's absolutely valuable, guys. You know, don't be too quick when having the first date. Um, that is, that is uh, uh, something we learned now. Maybe playing hard to get is even the better strategy. Uh, and and what you both are saying, Daniel and Khan, is actually believe in yourself, believe in your concept, and everything else will follow, right? Uh, and if it's to be very open and uh, honest, if it's a shit concept, it doesn't deserve to be funded. Let me say it like this, right? With this words, <laughs> with this brutal words, um, but maybe saving cash and lifetime. Uh, with those brutal words, let me end up. Thank you so much, Daniel and Khan. It was a very, very uh, fresh and, and exciting and entertaining show. I hope also to our listeners. That was episode 159. Speaking about resilience and getting funded in the world of crisis. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned to Breaking Banks Europe. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.